Whistle Pig and the Bear is a collection of conversations between two best friends of 30 years as they talk about friendship, spirituality, and all of the stuff that happens in between. We hope you enjoy. Good morning, buddy. How's it going? Oh, it's going okay. Um, playing, playing through the pain today. Got a abscess tooth. We'll mm. have a root canal on Wednesday. The doctor says uh, today's Saturday, so there's quite a few Ooh. days in between. Jeez. Um, so if you hear me slurring today, um, it's not because I'm 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 been hitting the sauce early here at 9:45 in the morning. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, playing a little injured on the podcast today with this tooth so i'm sorry that that's gotta suck and then try to talk and you've taught all week with a group all of right. high schoolers so man they are high schoolers high schoolers they are they're they're something else i love them teaching teaching science just don't pull your tooth out as a an example of a uh, science project what not to do thought about it I hey, said, did did I happen to tell you about um, the the uh, the guy who had posed a question? This was on my Facebook po okay. posts. Posed a question: If kinetic if kinetic energy transfers to thermal energy, how hard would I have to slap a chicken to cook it? And someone that's I'm guessing that you're going. To a place where someone did this calculation someone did the math but then better yet on youtube there's about a 15 to 20 minute video of a, a, a man creating a machine that does just that it slaps the chicken enough times at enough velocity and he has to rebuild the arm so it doesn't pulverize the chicken and he has to trap the thermal energy so it doesn't leave but it ends with him eating the chicken that he cooked by <laughs> repeatedly <laughs> slapping the chicken. God, to have that kind of free time in my life, to have that I'm type of commitment. He's a science teacher. That's what he does. Yeah. Does he have anyway. like a, did he do this on YouTube or something? He did. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's funny. Well, listen, um, we've, uh, we've started generating comments. We haven't generated comments. Our, our conversations here. Uh, going into to number six now, we've started receiving feedback and and questions. And so, do you want to uh, do you want to briefly touch on uh, one of the questions that received about our titles for for the episodes conversations? Yeah. yeah so, a good friend, Chris um, Abel, who was a student of mine and then colleague and friend, and he's a pastor uh, of a Methodist church, doing a wonderful job. Um, he just, uh, I was asking for feedback and uh, aside from a couple of technical things that we're getting to clean up with some of our equipment and those kind of things and editing. Um, he just said, I don't know if you guys are addressing a topic each week, if there <laughs> should be a title that I should be looking for. Um, and, uh, we talked about that and I, I, the, the main point of this whole deal is 
that we're just having some free flowing conversation and inviting people into it. I, I think there will be times when we have a more directed topic and we'll kind of say that, but this, I don't think this is ever going to be the kind of piece where you're trying to do research for a sermon Correct. and you're like, Oh, what, you know, what, when did they address uh, penal substitutionary <laughs> atonement theory or, Hey, you know, I mean, I think there'll probably be days where it's coming out of our experience. Yeah, sure. So it's telling our story. I also think, you know, we may say, Hey, this is a book I just read. Let's talk about it for a few minutes. Yeah. Or, what did it mean to what, you? What, or what podcasts are shaping you right now? I mean, or, you know, it could be whatever, but the point is not to, our point is not really to educate you on anything or to pretend that we're experts on anything. Our point is just to let you, let you in on our friendship. And that's, and, that's uh, 30 years, right? Like that, these are the conversations that we have on a regular yeah. basis. Um, and so having friends who have said, God, to be a part or just to eavesdrop on those conversations was what kind of led us to this while honoring, uh, the friendship. Well, I had, I had, uh, we, we have an Instagram account and it's called whistlepig underscore the bear T H E B E A R. So, uh, check us out there, but I, I share that not necessarily for the Instagram plug, but for a comment that we received there, uh, from, um, uh, Stephanie Maddox. And so Stephanie lives across the pond, not across the pond from your dad in Alabama, but across the Atlantic no. ocean and <laughs> listens. Yes. But, um, after, after giving uh, some of her um, appreciation, she said she'd love to hear more on John versus Peter Hartz, uh, which we previously discussed. She said that was something new to her, uh, but the piece that I wanted to, and this, this kind of leads us into today's conversation, uh, she says, I'm so down to hear you guys uh, go more in depth about the journeys you've been on spiritually and would love to hear the details of what, how, why, uh, your thoughts have changed on different topics. Uh, the fun thing about having these conversations out loud, she says, is uh, that she's finding in her own context is that it shows us we aren't alone in this journey. And uh, it leads us to new places, new ways of thinking, uh, at least new to us theologies, new ways of approaching the whole thing. I'm curious to hear your take on topics like church, um, where it's at in America versus where it should be ideally. I would love if we just said, churches, this is where you need to be ideally. Like, what if we just laid the law down? Um, but yeah, so it on that... Be the first, it would be the first, <laughs> first council of Whistlepig Beria. Yes, right. What's Nicaea got on Whistlepig Beria? That's right. Right. So on that note, uh, Steph, Stephanie, thank you for, um, for the questions. Chris, thanks for reaching out. And continue to do so um, as you find yourself in these conversations. But on that note, we we have referenced our journeys uh, in in some of these conversations. But today, specifically, uh, wanting to hear or talk about uh, your journey, Matt, growing up in Alabama in in a Pentecostal uh, small town church, uh, leaving for university life in Florida along the same lines, right? But let's, why don't we just jump into that um, and start with, uh, give us a reminder, uh, recap again, and we'll take it by, maybe it's um, how the pockets of your theology 
um, aligned, right? Like Alabama to college to your first ministry gig um, and kind of go from there. And we'll give a quick up, a quick recap on that one, but really the meat of it talking about uh, what it looked like as, as the evolution really started to unfold. So yeah. How, what did, what, what did those first, God, if you can recap 25 years, obviously not infant, infanthood or elementary school, but what were those breadcrumbs um, in those first years? You know, you, you talked a little bit about a Sunday school teacher, uh, uh, right? Was it? Yeah. What was yeah. her name? Brown? Um, yep. Miss Brown. Miss Brown. Ellen Brown. But yeah, she like. Wonderful alto. Talk, talk to us about those, those first foundational years, okay. if you will. All right. And uh, I think everyone who knows me, and if you're getting to know me through this, I'm not a point A to point B guy. Right. I just never works that way. But <laughs> I'll say this. Okay. So growing up in a Christian home and one that was very devoted to the faith uh, and that leaned at least theologically on the fundamentalist conservative side. Okay. That, that's an odd thing about being Pentecostals. You, you have this really kind of reform theology of sorts, but then you have this huge emphasis on the inbreaking of the divine into your everyday. So it's, it's a, it really is a paramodern, to use a term from my friend Ken Archer, um, kind of stream of Christianity. It's not fully modern. It's not fully um, postmodern. It's, it's, it's paramodern. It, it grew up alongside the fundamentalists, but at the same time, you were doing things that the fundamentalists would have called uh, demonic, <laughs> speaking in tongues, right. praying so, for healing, those kind of pieces. So, I'll, so I'll, I, I'll interrupt as we go through here, but you've, yeah. you've used some terms that maybe folks who haven't oh, studied yep. theology, that yep. they're, they're not in it. So when you say things like uh, the view of God, right, coming from the Reformed theology, those, some of those pieces, yeah. can you give an example of here's what a view was yes. and, and what, and when you say modern, paramodern, give some examples of that. Yeah, so uh, any of the denominations that came up prior to the Enlightenment would be considered um, pre-modern. Okay, so you're talking about the Eastern Orthodox Church. You're talking about the Roman Catholic Church. The first 1,500 years of the faith, right? And you've got other subsets, but those are the big two. But then you have um, denominations or you have streams of Christianity that, that had their birth in the Enlightenment okay. and in, in the Reformation, Luther and Calvin and leading up to their descendants, which would then be Baptists and so on and so forth. There we go. Um, they're very text-oriented because they grew up with um, the page being the dominant 
technology for 500 years, 450 years. Okay. So Baptist, right. Um, Methodist. Um, these are, these are all in the evangelical slash, um, uh, reformed idea. Okay. Okay. And then you have a denomination like the assemblies of God or church of God in Christ or church of God, Cleveland, Tennessee, which are all what's considered classical Pentecostal churches because they rose out of these, they would not use this term, but they rose arose out of these mystical type meetings where the Holy Spirit fell down. They would use terms like the latter rain, right? Yeah. They would talk about Christ's imminent return or the rapture. And um, Pentecostalism was never looking at the Bible as a repository of truth. It was not, you did not go to the Bible to primarily find a principle, right? Timeless principle. Instead, you went to the Bible for presence or the person behind it being the Holy Spirit. So it was very common in Pentecostal settings to uh, see how the Bible's story interacted with your story. Okay. And because of these revivals that took place, these gatherings uh, like uh, Azusa Street in Los Angeles, because of happenings where um, people were, were experiencing mystical or ecstatic speech or experiences, um, with all that happening, there was a, a large emphasis that the church had gone kind of gone awry since the since the book of acts mm. and that we were the true gospel because we stressed baptism with the holy spirit for our personal edification and purification but also empowerment to serve and to reach and we were having this pour out on us this latter rain because Jesus was ready to come back in his second coming to rapture up his church. All of these pieces that was going to happen at any time. Uh, and so as a result, Pentecostalism um, were, were people who got kicked out of mainline churches mm. um, because of all that. And because there was a more experiential faith perhaps than a text driven cerebral faith okay so i yeah. would always say that you've got to have your mind right your head your heart and your hands god wants all of them that's the holistic understanding so the 4-h was so ahead of itself uh man right? it's like, fading right i gotta bring 4-h back in schools i literally had a conversation about how we can <laughs> rejuvenate 4-H, 4-H. Yes. yesterday because That's I had funny. a student email me during class. I love it. I have some students who are very, they're, they're introverts and they, <laughs> they will email me while I'm teaching <laughs> while you're teaching and I will, I will be having conversations with them while I'm teaching, but her mom works at K and B, which is this meat <laughs> processing. And she's like, Hey, Tuesday coming up is slaughter day. 
and not <laughs> Saturday, Slaughter Day. Yeah. And she had this long list. They're ready to donate to our science department. Uh, cow nice uh, eyes and yeah. pig livers and tongues and i'm like to eat well, that's, or that's what? a whole other episode like, that's awesome yeah and and so anyway um all right so so pause how, right there for a second get right, right right so pause for a second what we've just Four described okay. right right head heart <laughs> health hands right okay all right there we go so so the thing is is immediately just to kind of frame up for folks who who may not uh, know us know you that well we've talked about uh, reformed and text heavy text focused uh, faith lenses faith backgrounds faith uh, um, faiths we've talked about Pentecostalism which comes on the scene in, in the early 20th century and it, it's more of an experiential faith okay? 1906 1906. Um, so you have that Pentecostals, it sounds like, are, are getting kind of the cold shoulder from the other faith communities, almost as heretical as uh, you guys are out there. Yeah? No? Oh, absolutely. In fact, uh, we were often confused with Mormons. Now, now here's um, what's interesting to me. Knowing who you are, so you're growing up in this Pentecostal community in rural right. Alabama. Yeah. But you are uh, you are an academic at age six, so text, uh, information, <laughs> and knowledge is everything, almost everything. But it's grounded in mystical experience. Okay, so here. So you, it, so getting back yeah, yeah. to that point. Yeah. All right. So Pentecostal, I, I was that kid who was reading everything I could read inside my own people's faith which denomination, which was basically the Sunday school quarterly. All right. right there right. wasn't a whole lot out <laughs> there. Uh, it wasn't until 1993, the year I graduated from high school that the society of, for Pentecostal studies released their first journal. Right. And, um, uh, Steve land's landmark book on, um, the kingdom, uh, and, and kind of what Pentecostalism was. But I'm going outside of all that. And so let me just say this. So there was a formula to the faith, except there wasn't. Mm. Okay. There was this drive to be holy. But Pentecostals have also always been early adapters to technological uses to spread the gospel. Say that again. Radio, radio shows, TV right, shows. Right, right. We were, we were doing the TV thing bigger and better than anyone uh, with Jimmy Swagger and Jim Baker until they fell from right. grace. 1970s. We've always, we've, we've always used those things. So I'm, I'm saying this, Pentecostalism, the emphasis on holiness, which means cultural taboos and not making sure we're the in crowd, not the out crowd, because we're keeping ourselves set apart from culture for Jesus. Um, uh, those things created in me a both end. Okay. Mom is the choir director. Dad is the song leader and Nana and uncle Tim and mom and dad, they are all in the, the board of elders or the deacons mm, yeah. or the trustees of the church at the same time, they're trying to pray away the demonic uh, 
uh, possession or oppression of my mother because of her mental illness. Uh, it was just a bunch of both ands. Mm. And take that outside of that to the fact that my very first book that kind of landed on me when I was five or six years old was A Wrinkle in Time. Wow. Little did I know she was a Christian universalist who believed that God's love would win out and that we would all be saved back to God. I'm just reading a children's book about love. Uh, uh, and, and this so, is Madeline Lingle's book. So these were the things, yeah, these are the things that were shaping me and preparing me for the time to when my world theologically would be opened even larger. Okay. And I, I had a friend actually ask me last night, and uh, this is a good friend of ours, Jeremy Sims, mm -hmm. who's also a pastor. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, Jeremy probably has introduced me and his questions have probably advanced me more than any individual that I'm friends with. Okay. I'm not talking about meeting an author or reading their works or that kind of stuff. Uh, but his questions, he's introduced me to authors and people that really spurred my faith on, but he said, why are you 10 years ahead? <laughs> That's our joke. Oh, right. I'll get there. Yeah, he would always, he's always said that to you. And what it is, is Christianity and theology in our circles was so insular. Yes. But I had such a desire and a love for literary theory and how to approach the, what I consider the holy task of reading. Mm always took me into conversations with other faiths, with other folks, with different ways of thinking, approaching the scripture in ways that treated it very seriously, right? Not slavishly, but mm -hmm. seriously and letting it be what it was and asking the questions for it, seeing the different genres in it, those kind of pieces really just put me into circles and orbits with people that kept me instead of just saying, Oh, I'm a Pentecostal and this is the person I right. follow in my theological studies. Instead of being born into a uh, Lutheran or a Calvinistic background or someone where there is just heavy, heavy people, we didn't have those academics. Right. Like, and, and think about it. Pentecostalism at the point, at this point is only 70 years old compared to Right. These other faiths, these other religions that are thousand, you know, over a thousand years old. Um, and so and, there's and, less and information the reason, there. Yeah. And the reason I brought up the technological piece about being early adapters is our Pope wasn't going to, okay, who wrote this in their systematic theology? We said, what does Jimmy Swaggart have to say? About <laughs> <this>? <laughs> All right. So, so yeah. Oh my gosh. Like, like, I mean, how many times being a, did being you a kid of the seventies and eighties? Oh, absolutely. And, and and someone say, well, what does Jimmy say? What 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 does the Rex Humbard Bible say? You know, like what does the there Oral you, Roberts? There like, you go. That's yeah. who we would look to. Now, I want to I want to give this uh, clarification, this context, because it would be easy for someone listening to this to go, well, Matt's just knowledge hungry. And and here's what I'll say about you having been friends now for thirty years. Yes, you have had a drive for knowledge and information, but the root of it, what it has always been steeped in, has been this, this desire to better empathize, this, this desire to better understand, 
this this desire to better relate, uh, to be informed and understand uh, these viewpoints. But it hasn't been for the sake of apologetics. Let me better apologetics be in the defending of the faith or arguing the faith. While while that may have happened in classes and those type settings, uh, for you as I've watched you, and that's I think that's one of the things. If you were just uh, the, the knowledge geek or the the prick who uh, just wants to go around beating people over the head with with their knowledge, I don't know that we would have thirty years of friendship. Instead, you <laughs> ha- you've used that information to then uh, uh, foster that both and piece of you uh, to to enlarge community to uh, to embrace that. And so, I just want to say that because somebody listening to this could go, "Well, the guy's just filling his head with knowledge." There was more to it than that. There's always been more to it than that. And, and I think about you, you have that experience, the both end uh, from, your, uh, from, the, from your lens that you were given. And then all of a sudden, then you go to university life. And now you're, you're finding there's more than just the, uh, the Pentecostal evangel uh, quarterly that comes right. out. There's now you're being exposed to, you already knew it, but now you're really exposed to, and at the same time this is happening, we have the the emergence of the internet, uh, which right. we didn't have until college. Uh, the internet comes onto the scene while, while we're uh, in high school, early college, and so that's a new piece. What does that look like as you move into uh, university, um, university life as a student? and uh, going into early in your career, like how does that, not, not to make you go linear, uh, but for that, for that context of your storyline, what did that look like? No, I was, I mean, I was a kid in community college going through microfiche because I wanted to know more. And so when the internet came into the way and it, and all what it did is it just made it so much easier to look and to see what was going on. And so for me, what was huge about the internet was blogs where people were sharing their thoughts and experiences. I started, I started finding folks like Leonard sweet, like Brian McLaren, like these different folks who I'd, I found a book, you know, I, I could take a book and I could read everything by an author but what a blog did is it'll uh, and now what youtube does and, and and these kind of pieces is it allows you to know what's going on in between the books and it helps you to see how their faith what questions they're encountering what personal experiences they're having all these things that are basically showing you not what they believe in this moment in time, but you you get a much fuller understanding of the journey Mm. and how development is happening. And so I think that both and weirdness with me Mm -hmm. was that I am drawn to people who move forward by looking backwards. Mm. So I'm going to introduce you guys to a term that I don't hear him referring to much anymore, but a former teacher of mine and an author, his name is Leonard Sweet. And there's this nautical term that he introduced me to called kedging. Okay. Kedging. 
K-E-D. Kedging. G-I-N-G. G-I, I think so. Yeah. Won't won't make it on Wordle. Kedge my <laughs> K-E-D-G. No. Anyway, here's the idea. Before there were satellites, before we had GPS, before we had these type of technologies, even before there were cartographers who had mapped places in the ocean and certain parts around coasts, what would happen is when you got to a treacherous place where you were off the map, so to speak, and you were in a larger boat, what you would do is you would launch a rowboat or a dinghy, a smaller boat, and you would put the anchor in that boat and you would row that anchor out ahead of the ship, drop the anchor. And then, so you're not, uh, subject to the wind blowing you into this rock or into this place or that thing, the people in, in the ship, the larger ship would then pull themselves forward. Hmm. Wow. And the point he made and the reason why that metaphor hits so hard for me is that, first of all, the boat has always been a symbol of the church. In fact, the Methodists call it the ship of fools. Second of all, if we're going to move forward into uncharted territories, societally, um, how are we going to be applying scripture, reason, church tradition experience Mm. uh, to our contexts that are totally uh, new the internet Mm -hmm. what role does it have on the faith artificial intelligence transhumanism all these different pieces because what's happening we've talked about this before is that change is happening now not in kind of a some way an addition way, but right. in a exponential or multiplication way. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and so the boat is the symbol of um, the church ship of fools, but the anchor is not only the symbol for faith. Right. Right. But it's the symbol of the past tradition. So in order to go forwards, you have to look backwards Mm. in order to move on that swing. You've got to pump back before you can. Okay. So this glide forward, this sets up, um, and we're, we're just walking through this as you shared and, and me having observations or questions on it. Immediately when you say that, and, and this is uh, this is a prime example of what our conversations look like, uh, of where you're sharing something and all of a sudden the light goes off going, oh, do you mean that? And you're like, no, it has nothing to do with ESPN. Uh, and then I have a second conversation and you go, yes, that's what Da-na-na. we're talking about. Done it. Um, so when you say the immediately as you're talking about the anchor and and the looking back, what what I think of from from my experience, your experience, um, as we knew it growing up, was there was something about uh, God never changes. He's always the same yesterday, yesterday, today, and forever. 
And instead of looking to move forward, there was never discussions on moving forward. It was more, and I, and I say this with, with as much love and uh, respect as I can, the desire was to hold steady until he gets here, right? So you think of somebody being lost at sea instead of trying to get anywhere. It was just hold, hold on, get as many people onto the boat as you can until he gets here to rescue us versus this is about growth. This is about what you're talking about moving forward, right? The faith had always it's, been this, this is it. We stay here. We don't venture out. Kind of uh, M. Night Shyamalan's The Village, right? <laughs> it, which I watched the night my mom died. And we were at anyway, the theater. That's a yes, whole other yeah. thing. So, uh, yes, um, the point was we didn't have a history because we were ahistorical as Pentecostals. Uh, okay. We didn't trust the 2,000 years that had happened between the writing of the Book of Acts and the 1906 oh, Revival. Wow. But we also didn't have too much for the future because it's hard to it's 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 hard to say you know what we really need to create schools and hire mm. uh, ed to tradition or to translate our faith to form to to not former to future generations when Jesus came back last Tuesday, like yeah yeah, <laughs> the yeah. whole point was we're not here long. The, the earth's going to be destroyed in this tribulation and so, Jesus is coming back to rapture. So you can't really plan too far ahead if you truly believe that that's going to happen. Right. Exactly. Right. Why, why, why so save money for retirement? Couple, right. Like why so the first. Yeah. So the first couple of generations of Pentecostals were there. When you get to the third generation of Pentecostals, it's like, damn I yeah mean, we've been hitting this he's coming back any second <laughs> right. now for 200 I mean, years basically since there have been automobiles we've been saying what would happen if you were in a crash tonight right uh <laughs> so <laughs> as a motivator was, to serve christ yeah and then and then and then i think the question comes well what if he doesn't come back mm. tomorrow what if he doesn't come back in my lifetime or in this generation yeah. Well, maybe we need to start figuring out how we're going to move forward with this. But again, to move forward means to move back because you have to see where you've been. Or what is it? Uh, those who forget their history are doomed to repeat it. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's kind of where it was. And that's where I was. I had this huge appreciation for what was happening and this thirst of seeing what was, how could I prep my teenagers that were in my youth ministry? How could I prepare my students who are going into the ministry uh, when all of this new stuff is happening? Mm. And how can I best prepare them for these uncharted waters? Um, well, the best way to do that, in my opinion, was to look to the past mm. and to see those things. And these authors that I was so, so the authors I was reading, the blogs I was following, the council councils, the conferences I was going to were these people who had this huge appreciation and knowledge of church history and where the world had been and how to look at 
the faith outside of the specific field of theology, but they're bringing along entrepreneurial pieces, or they're bringing along understandings of literature or other faiths or other cosmologies and other pieces. And they're futurists. I mean, mm. they actually call themselves futurists. futurists yeah. Kind of <laughs> weird, but they're right. But um, they, you know, uh, you know how I feel about those titles. I was yes. once named the cultural architect architect you were the for, cultural architect yeah. oh god yeah. <laughs> yeah what the anyway uh so yeah. so they were they were expanding i think what pentecostals do really well is they're they're mystics they don't they yes. don't know they are but they are and as a mystic they're really good in the now yes they understand Agreed. the now the week in the past has been the past and the future. Mm -hmm. mm. So I was filling that up as well. So my, basically my whole life was a both and, which posited and prepared me for what they call the postmodern turn. When we're, we're moving into this point of what was the basis for what now is the dirty sexy word deconstruction right but what what happens in in the deconstruction term isn't is important because it's it's been weaponized uh for against people uh who are going through this to say they've lost the faith they've gone through this period of, they've thrown the baby out with the bathwater, if you will but i think about you um having this both and as part of your um, being like it's it's it, it encompasses all of you. You are then um, you've not only attended a college that is a an evangelical in the faith. Uh, every student there has had to make a proclamation of Christian faith in order to be admitted, accepted there. Right, um, and that that was true from the sixties, seventies, eighties. 90s into the 2000s where that was the line that that the university would hold as part of its admission standards right you 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 can hit a 400 on the SAT total uh, but if you've got that admission of faith then you know and so I get that that's part right. of that culture but to find yourself and correct me if I'm wrong but at the time in in hindsight that culture felt feels like it's very either or secular Christian uh, everything has a it's the opposite uh, to it but you're this both end right and so you have this both yeah. end that's sitting in a culture not only as a student but if we fast forward you've done a couple of years in church ministry in St. Pete Florida uh, you've done that you've been asked to come back and and serve as uh, serve in a leadership capacity at the same university yeah. at Southeastern, and um, and at that point it was the uh, I want to speak because this was such a crucial time I think in your life and in others' lives, including my own, where we were a part of this team where it was hey I'm hiring you to be you just do what you do is something that we often heard right and so here you are this both and. Um, on this this journey, this discovery, this expanding faith, and and you're sitting in a place where where part of the 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 house, part of the university, is a either or, right? And so, oh, yeah. how did you 
how did you navigate that in the early years? Uh, you you worked in uh, the area called Student Life. It's known in higher ed as Student Affairs, uh, Student Development, and so you held a number of roles um, from career yeah. services to campus, campus pastor, pastor to conduct. I mean, so you were uh, all of all of that, uh, all the roles, regardless of what role you were playing, you were still embodying uh, and being true to who who you were. Uh, as this person of uh, deconstruction, postmodern, uh, both and, what what were those what were those times like? I I, I shared a, our offices were were side by side, and so uh, I got to to be a part of watch um, that time in your life and the impact that it that it had on so many students. But can you speak to a little bit about that season? What gave you life there? Because I watched you create from nothing. Uh, so many initiatives and I think of things like, and just to, to kind of, um, give you an idea of where I'm, where I'm, where I'm thinking, I'm thinking of things like, uh, Epicurean garden party. I'm thinking <laughs> of, uh, of hunger and thirst. Uh, yeah. I'm thinking of these experiences that you created, but they weren't just experience, experiential, mystical, Pentecostal. There was also Lexio Divina. Right there was also these pieces of our past. What was that like having that time to create and and engage that for maybe one of the first times in your in your adult life? Yeah. So okay, let me let me let me. I'm going to just throw out in bullet points and try not to get bogged down in details. Okay. So I'll throw out a bunch of bullet points and you tell me where you want to go. If you want to go with any of these or if you want to move on. So really quickly, yes, the educational component of the school opened me up to a lot of different avenues, church history or whatever, but as always relationships with people was the big thing. Yes. So you had folks like our former boss who was uh, our pastor for a time and also uh, was a professor there. um, Dr. Mike Rakes, who, uh, was reading and seeing and hearing things that were were both and mm-hmm. and worth new, and he was um, uh, doing those things as as a student. I'm I'm sensing that. Okay, I go off to um, pastor at Suncoast Cathedral in Saint Petersburg, Florida, and I get asked to do the same thing before I go to Southeastern, which is start this or do this initiative or do this. So I started out as an intern and kind of me being the both end guy, I negotiated. I didn't want to intern six weeks with another youth pastor. I wanted to do it all. So I spent two to three weeks with nine different pastors, including the finance guy (laughs) over an entire summer because I didn't, I I did. I wanted to know and see how it all worked. So as a result of that, I came out of my internship and was hired. I knew more people in that church than any other pastor did because I had just spent two, three right, weeks right. with each and being the relational person, right? Yeah. Learning all that. And I, I guess at that time I was probably a better Pentecostal preacher than I am now. I, people are like, what's your style? Well, I had a style back then and it was engaging <laughs> and it was this and this and this. I don't, I, 
what Sunday it is, is depending on what kind of style I'll preach or teach in. Right. I mean, I don't have that anymore. I don't think. Um, but, um, at that time, pastor would go off and say, Hey, I want you to preach while I'm in China this week, you preach this Sunday. And then, so what I'd look around the church and I'd say, Oh, what do we need to talk about? What's the felt need our church? We need to do better at evangelism right now. Yeah. So I would preach on evangelism. He'd come back and he'd say, Hey, there were a lot of tape requests, more tape requests than <laughs> I've seen in a long time. So now a tape request is a recording of Matt's sermon. And right, so because right. they've gotten tape requests, a lot of people are downloading um, information via cassette tape or CD. Yeah. So I just want yeah. to go you'd ahead. Have Sorry. To go and buy, yes. You'd have to go and buy a cassette yes. tape or a CD at that point. And uh, so he'd say, okay, so you're over evangelism. And so then I'd do evangelism. And then he'd be gone again, and he'd ask me to preach, which was weird because I was the young dude on right, the right. deal. But, and we were a pretty big church, so I'd preach and. I'd preach on, well, worship. And then he'd come back and he said, we can't be over worship. Your father-in-law is over worship, but I want you to take this initiative and do worship right. with this or community. So in three years time, I went from being a youth intern to the youth pastor, college pastor, director of discipleship, director of Christian education, director of uh, uh, evangelism. I mean, and so that, that kind of happens. And that was never I your go. goal. That was never, I've known you for no, 30 no, no, years. No, no. You have no. never been the person no about oh. I'm going to amass more influence. I'm going to amass more power, no. more money. Heck no. That's never I just been. want to love people. Yeah. And I want to see us learn how to love people. So then I get recruited to Southeastern by a former professor. And he says, I want you to come and I want you to be the campus pastor. And I want you to be uh, the director of God. I don't even remember what my director title was. You were career time. services with Rachel. Career yeah. services. Thank you. And I want you to be a resident director. And if you don't mind, I'd like you to be a teaching pastor at the church I pastor in Orlando. And why don't you start your master's? And why don't we get you into teaching some? Yeah. And, oh, you teach that well? Okay, we need to start larger psychology classes. So can we get you 18 more hours of your master's degree? And all of a sudden, you're a psych uh, professor as yeah. well. Oh, why don't you start the, hey, after three years, you've done this and this and this and handed it off. What do you want to do? Well, let's create something called spiritual formation department. Yes. And so this is what happened. And this happens to me everywhere because I love people and I want organizations I'm a part of to serve people where they're at, which means I end up knowing about people and knowing about places and having ideas. And so when I went back to Southeastern, there was that happening. There was finding out that former professors of ours who I thought were pretty conservative were nowhere near as conservative. Mm, yeah. And so they modeled for me how to stay there and help people transition. And I realized they had been dropping breadcrumbs in their teaching the whole time. The whole time. If you'd like to have a coffee, which is what I still do when I preach and teach every time. I'm Absolutely. Like, I can't explain this all to you right now. Ask me out for coffee. Take me out for a beer. Let's go just hang water if that's what you do. And let's learn more about this together. And so... That was more of that both and piece. I was learning to work with the team. I had guys like you and Dan Schoonover and um, Dwayne Blair and Marcus Bailey, and Blair. And, yeah. and Marcus. Just notice there are a lack of women's names. Uh, and, yes. And those names are. Uh, so let's go Janet Cotton, Anna Rubel Gallagher, yada, right. yada. Right. 
but I'm just Rachel saying Clymer, right at the, the time our exactly. organization was and, not necessarily devoted to that and it wasn't but diverse was, and it was a, and it was a lot of white guys like looking Super. back we didn't notice it you don't realize it at with the time with goatees and glasses with goatees and square glasses <laughs> so, so so you said something there so hit pause just a second you said yeah. something there about the professors who were having an influence that you thought were conservative only to then as you've had more mature conversations because now you're a colleague of theirs, not just a student. Right. You're right. being exposed to, wait a minute, you mean you, you didn't vote Republican? You mean you're not pro fill in the blank, right? And so you're right. And you said in that moment, but they learned uh, how to hold stay in place. And, right. and the context for that is that the university that, that had they openly shared uh, explain what you mean by that. That had they been completely transparent, there could have so been can, an impact I, on their I, employment. I can, I, I can say this now, I think, without damaging them because they're retired. Yeah. Um, but I would go in with a Ricky Cotton and a Stephen Fetke, right? Who were uh, was a lit professor and was a mostly Old Testament, but he taught some yeah. Old Testament stuff. Bible professor. Bible professor. And they would say, "Hey." Dan over. Hey, Matt Hewitt, why don't you join us for prayer and Bible study? And then we would go into the library conference room and they would take out a sheet of construction paper and cover out, cover up the little slot in the window of the door. <laughs> and then they would teach, uh, they would teach Dan and I, these mystical practices, which are not very mystical, but could be like Lexio Divina, which is a way to pray the scriptures, which started way back with John Cassian, perhaps, and move forward into the order of St. Benedict and so on and so forth, uh, to Hugio this anyway, but they were teaching this under, were teaching it, almost underground. This. And then yeah. before we left would say, now, remember, if anybody asks you, we were we were praying the scriptures. We were just which is what they were doing, reading the Bible, which is exactly what we're doing. But don't you dare use that Latin <laughs> phrase and get me right. fired. Right. Right. Don't use that Catholic piece. OK, that this comes from. So right there, the yeah. why would that get them fired? Because there was an either or mentality an either or lens that was holding things as um not all truth is truth like we have our truth and there are those truths but those truths the other truths aren't real it's almost like uh you're on the winning team and so our team is in the right our team is in the no our team wins the other team loses the catholics are going to hell i mean there was almost that type of mentality uh disclaimer i'm not saying catholics go to hell um, no, they don't. Right. And so... Um, no one does. No one does. <laughs> See, there's the little... And there's the <laughs> <laughs> So now somebody just hit pause on Spotify, <laughs> and they were like, whoa, whoa, wait, back up, back up. Did he just say... Yes, he did. Uh, well, we can talk about that later offline. Buy him a cup of coffee or a beer. Uh, <laughs> and so there's there's that... And but there was this setting that we were in where where the power was, where the decision making was, that had it came out that that Dr. Yes. Cotner, Dr. Fedke were, you yes. know, was out teaching you know, Lexio Lexio Divina, uh, that that could have cost them their job. Explain in a nutshell, right? Mm -hmm. And in yeah. a nutshell, because what is that mentality? What is that? that lens of the faith 
and you touched on it earlier, but I mean, this is a this is a real life example of how things had consequences and implications by living out your faith as you believed it, right? So what what yes. is that thinking that says you can't be teaching uh, praying the scriptures, right? Like what is that? So in a in a place like Southeastern University, which was then Southeastern College, you have various factors at play there. This is where it gets complicated and difficult to navigate socially and professionally mm -hmm. because there is the piece of we are a uh, faith-based organization. We're a church. We're training pastors and ministers and missionaries and people to go out and be lay pastors and missionaries mm -hmm. in their in their uh, classrooms and in their jobs in the marketplace. So there is the let's be true to who we are and to our 16 fundamentals, mm -hmm. uh, or which is the 16 tenets. They don't do a creed, but the AG's got 16 uh, statements on this is what it means to be in proper understanding of Christianity. Yes. So you've got that happening, right? And there's this piece of fear of the unknown, yes. fear of being Catholic, fear of losing the faith, fear of becoming too progressive, fear of losing our Pentecostal distinctive roots. That's mostly on a theological place. But the biggest issue is not really being true to that. The biggest issue is our constituents, the people who make up our board are pastors and they're not trained academics and they're not trained theologians. They're nimble. They're more entrepreneurs who love Jesus and want to get you into heaven mm -hmm. rather than truly, truly explore the tenets of the faith and what these philosophical theological implications are. So one, we can't piss them off. Yeah. And, and, they're, and they're the funds. Like they are funding so they're, subsidizing they, they a part are of the, the university. They are the they are the fighting fundies. The fighting fundies. both in their fundamentalism <laughs> and in their funding. Yes. 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 And then you have the parents of the students who are coming to your school. And because you're you're not a, a denomination that's been around for 300 years or 500 years, or in the case of Notre Dame. Yes. Go Irish. You know over a thousand years, you don't have any endowment. So everything is about yes. enrollment. I mean, every year we had to have the best enrollment we'd ever so had. Both sources so you of funding the, the board, the parents who are being taught by that, by that same board, both sources of funding go, go away. If something disagrees with that, with their lens. So we used to talk about the power of a freshman. A freshman comes in, hears you say something, or a textbook is used. That goes back to the parent. The parent doesn't come to the professor. The parent right. goes straight to their pastor. Their pastor doesn't come to the professor. That pastor goes straight to their person and their superintendent. That superintendent then goes to the board. Yes. And all of a sudden you're called in because the 17-year-old misunderstood or or just they had been taught to be triggered by certain words yes. that were the enemy. The slippery like, slope. I can when when Glenn Beck several years ago said, "If your pastor mentioned social justice, you should run." Yes, right. Like why? Why? Didn't yeah, yeah. I mean, is, did anybody ever push back and say, you know, why? Why should we run from social justice? What does the Bible have? Yeah. To what say does about the Bible something? have to say about it? So, 
So here's the weird part. You have that at play. You have the funding piece at play. You, you also, this is the most important part that I learned from these men of the faith who were our professors. You can also totally damage students. Mm. If you, if you deconstruct them and it's not the Holy spirit and it's not wow, life experiences, but if you're trying to blow them up yeah. for just the sake of feeling good yeah. and blowing them up, then you're doing a disservice. So as the professor, as a staff member, you had all these things at play. Well, I kept getting more progressive, which was dangerous mm. in my thoughts. I also, though, kept getting more power <laughs> because so. So let's add these up because you've been relational in so many areas right. and you've accumulated or been assigned to more responsibilities. Right. All of this is almost like a perfect storm in the sense of here's the, the influence, the knowledge, because you've been responsible for so many initiatives, departments overseeing them. Now there's the influence with the students, right? And then there is the yes. progression of your faith, which is a kedging, right? Like, hey, I, I want right. to look at the past while I'm going forward. And so there you there you sit. And I had to grow in that and mature in that. And so I would be, and the school was wanting to open up and make more money and grow. So it instead of it being 90 plus percent assemblies of God students, when it was a 700 person school in our junior and senior years, when you get up to 2000, all of a sudden you've got Roman Catholics, you've got Baptists, yes. you've got Methodists, you've got all those pieces. Well, I'm the guy who knows that stuff mm. because I'm in conversation with those different places. Yes. And I've been the campus pastor leading church tours where I'm helping connect students with churches in the community that come from their background. So I'm doing all those kinds of things. So they're like, here's a chapel on a Wednesday. You have every chapel. We need you to help educate our Assemblies of God students and our Baptist students into higher church. Mm. So start doing liturgical services that are based more on Episcopalian or Presbyterian or Methodist, those kind of pieces. But people are watching those on the internet, pastors and parents, and then they're calling me, yes. uh, calling for my job. So I'm always in a both end, but I have enough cachet with the powers that be because I'm turning down other jobs. I'm yes. turning down administration jobs where I can get paid more or acquiesce more power because that's not what I'm in it for. And so, and not only is that happening, but I think there were there were members of leadership and and colleagues and coworkers who were having the same thoughts in their faith. They were having the same pieces in their faith and all of a sudden now you become a safe place for them to have discussions, right? Like they're being exposed or they're having thoughts. And so you become yes. a safe place. You become the pastor's pastor, so to speak, the, the, and they the professor's keep, and, professor. And, and, and not only that, but administration as well. Yeah, exactly. And I know what's going on in their lives. Yeah. Not just their thoughts. And right, questions. right, right. I know what they're doing that would not be acceptable. Right. 
And an, I'm and, fine with it. And an example might be it. that the Assemblies of God says, we don't partake in alcohol. And here's right. here's a, a member of leadership that has a beer every night. And oh my gosh, would that cost him his his him or her? Well, there weren't a lot of females in leadership. So, so it would cost him his job. And so you know that, right? I have an open invitation. Yes. Uh, and I may or may not be doing that with them at that point, which is another reason why they are now scared to do to me what they've done to other people because I'm their friend Yes, and they know I won't hurt them, but they're also afraid I might hurt them. Right. Which by the way, I still haven't, but then you might have a coworker, <laughs> right? Right. You might have a coworker those who gets terminated because they had a beer. Right. And I know that that's going on higher up. Yes. Right. So anyway, there's those kinds of issues. But here's the thing that was different between me and a Steve Fetke uh, and other folks who were called to be there to help students not be as fundamentalist. Mm. While we're there, the internet comes out. Yes. Social media. Social media. Yes. Social media comes getting, onto the scene. What yeah. I'm, but what I'm getting to is in a world with no internet, in a world of card catalogs and a library and teachers lecturing, and that's the notes that you have for your life. Mm-hmm. They may want to leave that school and go somewhere else, but they're called there. Mm. I feel that call and I feel like I can't leave that I'm serving as an underground railroad for helping these by night Nicodemus meetings. Yes. People not leave the faith because I'm able to show them there's a larger expanse of what Christianity is than just their assemblies of God understanding of it. I feel a release. And part of the reason that I'm released and they're not is because they have access to the World Wide web mm. and blogs. And all of a sudden there's an intersection of denominations and church leaders and these different folks that I don't need to be there to be their one link. Mm. Okay. There's a hundred links. There's a thousand links. There's hundreds of thousands of links for them to continue to grow their soul. And in going back to what you said earlier, for you, for those of you who don't know what microfiche is, you're taking out a little x-ray uh, that's the size of your uh, credit card in your, or it could be a, a roll of film, if you will. You slide yeah, it into it this magnifier because there's there's different microfiche, but you then you scan. There's a there's a certain level of effort requ- required there that oh the typical person isn't going to do. Uh, unlike Matt Hewitt, who is well versed, and the librarians are asking him how to use <laughs> the microfiche machine. Uh, now all of a sudden you have Google, where I can type in what does it mean? What's transhumanism? What's what are these things? And it's instantly available. So now the entry point into these discussions, into this research, into these studies is now available at your fingertips versus I'm having to go to the library and request her order or to access uh, a roll of film and do this. Now I've got to read it. I've got to take the notes. It's, it's immediately available is my point, 
right? It's not only it's not only immediately available, like it became immediately available for you and me. But I was at Southeastern long enough that kids, my students were kids who had grown up mm, with they the had internet, been born into a yeah, world yeah. Where, where there was the internet, Got and it. they were born into a world where the faiths were playing with each other. They were born into a world where you weren't so tied to a denomination because just by means of having a smartphone, you're yes. exposed to the world in a myriad of ways that you wouldn't have been otherwise. So there was a piece of me being able to, to say, hmm. I can leave now. Hmm. I'm still available to them, but it doesn't matter because nobody's having to skip chapel anymore because chapels at the same time that TD Jakes is on. Mm. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> and they got to choose one they have or to the choose, other. Right. No, they can look at whatever. And so that became a big deal because all of a sudden your students weren't so insular. They weren't so isolated. There were so many ways for them to be exposed to different streams. Mm. And it became about not, being the the repository of information but instead of being the field instead being the field guide to help them navigate and mm. see what truth is and what wasn't and i could still be there and if i was there i could be pushing against the anti-lgbtq plus i could be pushing against trumpism i could be social justice all these, all these different things that 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 they're hearing but but the systemic I racism freedom yeah I felt a freedom that I don't think the folks that I am indebted to the professors I had, I, I had a freedom that they didn't have. Yeah. Now we'll also say point. this, this is also what happened and which led to me leave more than anything else too, was the fact that as society became more permissive. Um, so for one particular instance, when gays and lesbians could become married, mm. Right when they had, when all of a sudden it's legal, all states are beginning sudden, to that, pass it. That that became a pastoral hot topic and hot button, like it had not been. Mm. So, in in one sense, you've got a school, in my opinion, that's incredibly schizophrenic. Mm -hmm. You can't tell it, it. It 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 is a business or it is a place of higher learning or it is a church depending on which hat serves them best in that moment mm. not only that but they have to to be the cool school to be the school that draws the students in they're the high energy they're bringing out the red bull trucks to have their red solo cup right. parties with djs and all these things but they're drinking power drinks instead of alcohol um <laughs> it, it becomes this weird place where they are becoming theologically more conservative because schools are having to make the decisions right right to 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 either stay with their denomination or move forward um and they're doing so in such a way that they're they're at least when i'm exiting at this point they're having to draw a line in the sands at the same time. They're letting more people from more places in at the same time. Yeah. So it was just, it became less a both end and became more a catch 22. Uh, yeah. Damned if you do damned. If now you don't. And I'll point this out and then um, we can 
decide where you want to go. I'm ready next. to land the plane. I'm ready to talk about you. So, well, here's the thing. This is this is what I think because I think people people who who know you, who have been who have been impacted by you, who have been uh, affected by you, people who watched from afar have often asked me these questions that you are now describing. Why did Hewitt leave? What was did did Hewitt lose his faith? Did did this happen? And for me being up close, and now as people begin to have their own, these own uh, similar moments where they're looking and going, well, what do I believe? Where am I right now? Is what is what does the Bible say about this? What is what does God feel about this? I think that's the the importance for people to know your story and to know how you've arrived at where you are today, right? So you leave Southeastern. There is that and and the pinch was this that catch twenty two was this you had been so relational you've always been so relational, right? Yeah. You have this information knowledge experience. Um, there. Hey, real real quick, yeah. let, and you know I did not have all my shit together. I am not. No. I I don't ever want that to come off or feel all that. I I am I am a but, jacked up individual in every but, way. But that's the point um, when Sims says to you, "How are you ten years ahead?" I think it's because I, I look at that and I say, well, he's he's not 10 years ahead for the sake of being 10 years ahead. I think you you lean into the questions versus away from them. You lean into the uncertainty um, where some people, well, what if I pull that string, this whole thing comes unraveled. That's never been you. And add no. to it the relational component Um and I think that's what makes you you. It's what makes you. And I'm not saying it as a, as a uh, putting you on a pedestal. We've been responsible. Good. We've been guilty yeah. of putting our mentors on pedestals where we thought they yeah. had the answers. They could do no wrong. That's not what I'm saying about you. I'm simply, uh, my hope is that we give context for the things that are happening in your life. Uh, celebrate those with you. Uh, mourn over the ones that you know like there's all the emotions and you've you've been okay with that you've been okay uh being transparent and authentic as you share that with with others because you are relational um and so for me it's a celebration of who you are the impact that you continue having uh on people's lives and to say look um you were faced with with decisions in your life where you had to choose either or or both and and instead of doubling down on the either or out of insecurity, out of whatever, you you embraced both and even when it included the unknown. You know, you I remember the day you called me when you said, All right, yeah. I've done it, I've resigned. And I'm like, shit, like when <laughs> like I knew that you were that that it was the decision was there for you, but I was like, Man, he's got so much influence. And he loves these kids and these students in that community so much. I don't know if he'll ever leave. So when it happened, I was I was pleasantly shocked and surprised and excited for you, even though you said, now what? <laughs> like, all right, this has been my life. Now what? And watching you live that out. Um, I think you know. I'm going to go uh, move to North Carolina <laughs> and help two former students launch a brewery. Yeah, and you you moved to Asheville at the time, and you you helped uh, launch a brewery well, there. And I moved I moved to Bryson City and commuted to Asheville, which sucked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was hour sad. and twenty minutes a day, and that's not highway miles. <laughs> no, 
that's so, Milton. But yeah, so that's so, that's where where I wanted. But to... but this is what I this is what I would say to anyone sitting in front of me right now. You can't hide from the questions. Hmm. You can't hide from reality. Yeah. Um, if you're having, again, we all have to sacrifice a piece of who we are to be a part of a community or a job where we want to be. Not everybody. I mean, you got your Howard Stearns, but, <laughs> um, and then you got your Joe Rogan's, yeah. uh, but here's the deal is if the goal is to grow into love and truth, if the goal is to grow into Christ or into integrity and authenticity with yourself and with those around you, you can only sacrifice so much of who you are to be somewhere before you're no longer you. Hmm. And I remember sitting outside of Portico, the coffee house at Southeastern, and a young girl came up crying because she had just been in a class where one of her best friends in the world who had demonstrated to her how much Jesus loved her and had been a model of the fruit of the spirit, love and joy and peace and kindness, goodness and faithfulness and all that stuff. And, and yet she had just been told in her class that that person was going to hell. Wow. Because they were uh, gay or lesbian, I forget which. And she's crying. I'm sitting there, and I had been sitting there having a meeting with a friend who at that time was an administrator is no, and is no longer at the school. Okay. And she sat down and asked that question, and he looked at me and her, and he said, I'm out. See you later. Take care of this. Wow. And I'm like, uh, and, and I had been told by administration, do not talk to any students at all about LGBTQ plus. And I remember saying, I, I'm, I'm not going to can't do that, not have this conversation with her. And I'm not going to tell her, her friends going to hell when I don't believe it. And I don't think that's true. And I don't think the Bible says it. I don't think God says it. I don't think any of these things say that I'm going to speak truth to her and I'm going to do it in love. And it wasn't long after that, that the school that loved me and gave me so much, I am not the guy who is going to sit here and bad mouth the place right. that helped form it fashion me into who it is it's like us it's good bad ugly it's all the exactly things. but when 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 administration came in and put together a what we called the terrorist watch, terrorist list, watch list because it was here are the things you can't believe you can't believe not not <laughs> not that you can't teach you can't believe this and hold it to yourself personally right. and be employed here and I'm like, well, shit. For those, for and the so, five, so think. I'm out. Think colors, right? Like green. This is okay. No, it was a color. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So there was no green. There was no, <laughs> no green. green. <laughs> there was no green. There was red, be yellow, clear. and orange. There was no yeah, green. Yeah. There was red, yellow, and orange. Yeah. Which is like, so the red was you can't you you can't believe this and yeah. be here. And I'm like, oh, 
okay. And we're sitting in a faculty meeting and my, co my colleagues who were my professors are hitting me under the table going, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And then there's this whole list of things that you can't, uh, you might believe personally, but you can't say in class that any Bible-believing Christian would hold to this. And it was things like, you can't critique capitalism. What? I didn't, I'm not making that shit up. You, you, can't, um, you can't talk against tithes, which basically meant don't properly contextually say that hey in the old testament when you were agrarian society your social justice your social <laughs> welfare net for the for the widow and the orphans and the strangers amongst us was bring 10 percent of your damn grain and yeah. your flock so they could eat yeah right new testament <laughs> there is no tithe it's consider how christ gave oh. and then give of what you have there's no yeah. damn 10 percent. if you're only giving 10 percent <laughs> And you're a damn New Testament Christian, but don't you dare speak against that tithe because we can't plan our budget if we don't guilt them into that shit. Anyway, and and here was here was the kicker. Yeah. And then here's the last one. You know, uh, oh, cohabitation, all that shit. Yeah. And then there was the piece on you can't you 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 can believe these maybe, but you can never talk on these topics in public in public not not that you can't it, you just can't even talk about it and it was sitting there it was the last deal on the piece and it was you can't talk about the uh origin of creation which first of all makes no damn sense the creation of creation the words at the you can't talk about that and in parentheses it said um what did it say uh, Earth like, created in seven days, like seven literal days, like that. Yes, yes. Earth created in seven days, in parentheses. And uh, I mean, I may be missing a word here or there, but I got the document somewhere. <laughs> I can find it. <laughs> and every the, the 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 guy reads it off at the table. Yeah, this administrator reads this off. Yeah, my my colleague who's no longer at the school, but who was the my first teacher, my first class I attended was with him at seven 30 in the morning and yeah. 600 Yeah, is hitting me under the table going, what are, what are you, you going to do? do? What are you going to do? So he, this, 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 this Dean at the time reads off this list and just drops the bomb. Right. And this is after months of him coming in with the 16 fundamentals and saying, y'all need to figure out if you're going to believe these or you're going to leave. And he's talking, handing out Xerox copies of them to the people who helped write them. Wow. I'm just like, screw you, man. Yeah. I mean, I actually said that I'm like, Hey, you could say all this to me. I'm, I'm 40. I'm young. I don't know what I'm doing half the time, but these men around us helped write and edit these pieces. And I feel offended for them. Yeah. That you're, <clears throat> you who came to this denomination, maybe 10 years ago are going to sit here and let this happen and, mm. and talk about this way. But our, I remember everybody getting up and somebody brought in a cheese tray and some mixed nuts. And I'll never forget the look on a couple of people's faces because people, because he said all that. And then he just prayed and dismissed us. And people are kind of like lingering. What is yeah. going on? There's some people who's real happy about it out of our 17 faculty members. Mm -hmm. And then there's people who are like, ah, whatever. And then there's some of us who are kind of shell shocked. And I can remember the look on the dude's face. Who's getting the mixed nuts from, 
from from the bowl to his mouth <laughs> because I slammed my fist on the table. It's not as dramatic as I just made it sound. Yeah, yeah. But I said, let's at least get it right. It didn't take seven days to create. It was six days. He rested on the seventh day. What did the room do? Some of them just stared at me. Yeah. A couple of the ladies and one of the guys came over and was like rubbing my back. Oh my God, you poor (laughs) thing. He's lost. Everybody else walks out. I go into my office, which is right down the hall, and I cry for two hours. Mm. And I'll I'll never forget. So I'm thinking all this is going to happen. I'm going to leave. But I'm also over a chapel where I'm teaching people what liturgical faith is and being threatened, my job being threatened because I'm pushing the envelope too far, even though it's what they asked me to do. Mm. And I'm getting ready to go into chapel. This is like two weeks later. And that same prof walks up to me. He says, you got a minute. He walks in my office. He says, Hey, I've been thinking a lot about that meeting a couple of weeks ago. And I figure you got two choices. He says, I figure you can either stay here mm-hmm. and stop growing as a Christian and as a human being. Mm. or you can stay here and he pointed to a book under his arm and said something to the effect of and read a lot of cool stuff and that's the day i resigned wow (laughs) i walked before i walked into the chapel i I called my wife and i said this is it i just had this talk and i'm done Mm. and it was crazy because we had a capstone (laughs) damn class where for our senior ministry students, where different folks were coming in and teaching it, right. Mm -hmm. Different professors were taking a topic and teaching it. And our boss had only been there a couple of years and that class had only been there for one year before. And the year before I'd taught it, I was dealing with pneumonia and that was his one example of seeing me teach in a classroom setting. And I felt so damn free about, making that decision that I went in and taught that class. And it was probably the best hour of teaching I've ever done in my life. I literally, they were standing up or whatever. And then he said, he came in right after we finished the class. He said, man, I just want to tell you, that was great. That's that's so different than last year. And I said, yeah, I had pneumonia last year. I said, by the way, um, I know this is going to sound like a shot, but I'm, 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 I'm resigning. (laughs) (laughs) Mic drop. Yeah. And, uh, so anyway, but, but like, so there's, it is for freedom. We've been set free. I never understood that damn worship song until I quit. Southeastern. It's for freedom. We've been set free. There's some things you've got to hold to your chest. There's some things. It's abusive. That's my, that's where I, that's where I want people to hear. This is what you should, this is, it's abusive to, for a pastor to say, this is what you should believe it and not uh, let them see the work that's been going on behind the scenes for 20 years as you've figured and prayed and right. dealt with these, why you've come to the places you've come. It, 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 it's hard and you, you've got to be cognizant of where you're at and who you are, of how, not, not how authentic you are, but how transparent you are yeah right so everyone gets to see you limp but only a few have earned the right to be bled on Mm. or else you're doing them harm Mm. you got to know that they're ready for it and then they know you enough 
and that they have permission to push back and say, have you flipped your lid? Yeah. And for you to have the true conversation, but guys, it's for freedom that we've been set free. And if you're, if it's fear that's keeping you from asking the questions, if it's fear that's keeping you from arriving at a belief that's unpopular with your organization or those pieces. I get it. You got a family, you got kids, you bring these questions up into your church or your setting and you might not have a job. Okay. Start figuring that out then, Mm -hmm. because if you can no longer be your authentic, true self, where you're at, you got to go, you got to figure unless, unless, and I don't know what the hell I think about the calling. We're all called to be us. But unless you just can't leave, which there was a period of time where I just did not feel the liberty to leave where I was at. I had not done what I needed to have done there. I, I, you left I at the right time. Relieved. Yeah. Right. But either we believe as Christians, um, greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. Either we believe that. Jesus calls us to carry our cross, (laughs) die to ourselves and follow him. Either we continue to have a molten soul, which allows ourselves to continue to be converted, allows ourselves to continue to be changed and grow, or we're playing that whole damn pharisaical role. Yeah. Just stop it. I mean, and, and if you don't know how to negotiate, those places. And here's the other thing. If you're in a relationship, if you're married, if you're, if you're in a situation where you're holding things out from that person, and then there's going to come the day where you just all of a sudden, uh, I need to sit you down. I'm a Christian universalist. I'm not sure that the exclusive nature of Christ. I, I, I believe that I'm affirming now. Uh, I don't know that I right. <laughs> going to drop all those things on somebody be having those conversations yes. along the way. Yes. And if you haven't started them, start some of them right now and make sure that you're letting them know, Hey, I'm wanting to grow. I'm wanting to lean into this. I want, but I don't know how, or I I need to explore this. And will you pray with me? And can we be again, just don't let damn fear lead your life. That can't be what you're about. And we, and we see so much of that today that fear drives so much of our everyday lives and, it, and if, God, if there's a place in your life, God, it almost sounds like I can hear uh, Hammond B3 organ music beginning to play lightly in the background. Uh, no, the altar call part. I just as I have I... a friend. <laughs> anyway. But, but if, if fear is going to be in any part of your life, don't let it be in your faith. Like, you're oh, dealing man, with it with health. You're either. dealing with it with political. You're de- dealing with it give 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 your faith a, a a place a space um and that's one of the things you know it's it's another thing that I as I've watched you uh on on this phase of your journey where you're at now where you where you've been is you've allowed faith to be faith and that is it comes in and subsidizes where the fear it comes in and fills the space 
that would be so easily held by fear, but faith replaces it. I don't know. I don't know how that sounds, but there's a there's a healthy fear. Absolutely, and it's and it's part of your design. It's part of who you are. It's part of your survival. Is having fear. But that that fear is for a, a moment. That fear right. is for protection. That fear is to to put off an alarm that says to, you need to right. check into you this. Need, or you yeah, or you need to change something right now. But if 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 that fear is turning into despair, mm. yeah, or it's causing you to to just shut off a piece of who you are. Wow, that's it. Like, like if you're. I hang out with old dudes. That's who I hang out with. I hung out with, with these guys in He's town. He's not talking about me. Eighties and eighties and seventies, and I learn from them. And they're still growing. They're still learning, and they're mm. still growing. And then I come across twenty-year-olds, thirty-year-olds, forty-year-olds, yeah, who are like, "I'm done." Yeah. This is this is who I'm gonna be. Yep. Maybe I'm- maybe I'll hit three hundred and sixty-four days of reading my. <laughs> old new testament psalm and proverb this year instead of just 362 mm. uh, maybe i'll get up from 10 percent 12 percent in my giving maybe i'll you know maybe i'll go on a missions trip but if you're done and you, i just don't get it man if you there's too much self-actualization that can happen if we want to if you, i love our eastern orthodox friends with their theosis and their deification with this idea that that there's kind of unlimited growth into into being who god created us to be envisioned us to be Hmm. then if 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 you're at a place where you're like i've arrived or this is all there is yeah this is all there is like that one i'm just like man you don't have to strive you don't you don't have to mm. you don't you don't have to be angry at yourself not show yourself grace because you've been in a rough patch or a rough season no sometimes survival is underrated <laughs> but it just man just there's got to be more there is more there is more there's yeah there's more and yeah so, anyway. so yeah, so anyone who who hears this and goes, yeah, I think I've been feeling that, you can reach out, uh, message us, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, like really, we want you, you to can. know, you can. Yes, yeah. you. We want you to know, and the whole point of this is to let you know that you're not alone on this. You know, to Stephanie's comment earlier, man, for it doesn't feel like I'm alone in this. That's that's what we're saying to you is to remind you that you're not alone, um, and any. Anything that we can do, maybe you just need somebody to talk to. This is not the prayer line request line uh, that we're saying to call. Uh, it's scary how much of this resembles. I'm going. Does this sound like a PTL end of episode? Uh, speaking of the Pentecostals uh, engaging, sure. Uh, I, I'm not. Technology. I'm not. I'm not afraid to have an altar call. Yes. I'm not a, like. Here's the weird part. That whole time where people saying I was too progressive at Southeastern. <laughs> as far as I know. <laughs> In chapel services throughout the entire year, I was the only one who was allowed to give a chapel service where people come forward yeah. to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in tongues. You did that? Like, yeah, I did. Because, <laughs> because I, I still speak in tongues. And I'm, I'm laughing. I'm laughing not because of that, but because of the labels that would get placed on you 
that oh, that, yeah. that that would get left out. Of course. Yeah. Oh, and but here's the deal. That's still me. Yeah. Now, yes. Believe, yes. Absolutely. I might yeah. understand it differently theologically. It's not a damn secret handshake. Right. It's not a knock at the door that gets you into the Holy Spirit tap room. That's not what's happening right here. But I'm just saying, guys. Um, I'm not afraid to say to you, be who God's created you to be. Yes. Do that. Le- lean into it. And lean into it. And here's the deal. I don't. Maybe, just maybe, out of Steve and I's communion with one another, the family will spread. Yes. And maybe it'll get to a point where we'll be playing the pivot. Yeah. Which means, you know what? Uh, reach out to me, and if I'm full this week, I'll pivot to Steve. But yeah. if Steve and I are both full this week, maybe there's a Chris, or there's a Stephanie, or there's yeah. a Carla, or there's a Gabe. And they don't all have to be Christians. They don't. Right. They just need just individuals, yeah. humans helping humans. Yeah. If if you're if you feel Kindness. if you feel any movement, right? As you as you hear this, I would say then that's that's how you know this is speaking to you. So Matt Matt's on Facebook. You can connect with him, Matt Hewitt, on Facebook. You can message us on Instagram, Whistle Pig, all one word, uh, <laughs> underspace the bear, all one word. Um. And message us there, uh, and we're we're trying to keep you posted on um, when the next uh, conversation is dropping or recording, so that you can kind of anticipate if there's a we have a schedule, but we don't. And so I want to say this: you are the embodiment of the phrase, and I love oh, you. God. Okay, <laughs> you are the embodiment of transcendent include. And I, I want to thank you for that contribution that you have made to our community. People who know you would echo that. They would have more eloquent ways of saying it. But I'm so thankful uh, for who you are and that that people have been able um, to find um, the truth that we know through conversations and community with you. And so I'm loving that we get to do this. I appreciate your commitment to it. I know it's not easy, especially playing injured uh, today, yeah. <laughs> I think when you this, there this, were a couple of stories that you got on, and I'm like, is he on pain meds? Like this is good. Like he's he's really there. Uh, but yeah, thanks for for the yeah. commitment to this. And uh, oh, yeah, and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna hear Steve's story and a little more. And it's not gonna be the Matt and Steve show, right? This is the, I mean, we we feel like we need to give you context who we are. But once we get these in the can. We don't need to do these yes. very much. Right. You can go back and listen to them. Yes, See they will, and that's why and that's why they're recorded and available to you is so that you can access them as you desire, want, need. Uh, but we'll continue uh, uh, transcending and including both ending uh, in Try. these conversations, uh, just to remind you that you're not alone in it. Hey, dude, I love you. I appreciate you. I thank you. thank you for being transparent and vulnerable and and uh, and sharing your story today. And uh, I'll, I'll look forward to catching up with you later. Well, to be transparent, <laughs> I gotta take a run to the trash to the to the green cans. Didn't know where you, the natives is that call it, and I don't mean natives Cherokee. I mean Bryson City. Okay, uh, individuals. Yes, I gotta. That's not I code for chores. running to the restroom. 
Nope. I got chores to do. I'm going to go. Okay. And then I've got homework. Man. If you guys are praying type, pray for me because writing papers while you're on pain meds. Yes. That's an adventure. And you're in pain. So, so anyway, right. I love you, Steve, and I will talk to you soon as well. All right. Later, man. Later, man.